takes more than moving the mess just out of frame before a video meeting to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 206. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about the non-tech stuff that goes into software engineering, such as clearing all that clutter and children out of the video frame right before your meeting starts. So I would like to take this moment to claim my hipster cred way back in December or January. That's when I started using the Zoom virtual background feature in earnest, well before all you Johnny-come-latelys who, (laughs) with your like fancy Minecraft backgrounds or videos of yourself talking to yourself. (laughs) Somebody on my team was working from an apartment and right behind them was their kitchen, so they just changed it to an all-flat black background. (laughs) Nice. Before, I just used it to goof around, but that was when I realized that Black is always clean. Flat black right. background, never a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, actually. So if 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 any time you set your Zoom background, if you could just like, I don't know, say out loud, I realize Jameson did this before me, <laughs> then that will give me the <laughs> validation I so crave. <laughs> your background is good, isn't it? The uh, produce section of a Walmart? Yeah, it changes, but that's what it has been lately. That's a great one. I'm just sitting in the produce section. I think I talked about this, but for a while I got pictures of people I Zoomed with regularly of their background. So I would change it to be their background. Yeah. <laughs> like their actual environment, not not their fake background. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody was in a garage and they sent me a picture of their garage and then I changed my background. So I was in their <laughs> garage too. I'm right behind you. The moment it started for me was in a meeting where I took a screenshot of the Zoom meeting window and set that as my background. (laughs) And then other people started layering more screenshots on top of it. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that was fun. Anyways, hipster cred is claimed. I would like to thank our wonderful patrons. Thank you to these folks who are donating at the level where we thank them. Every single week, Thank you to Vinlock, Braden Keynes, Chris Hogan, Dennis Bogdanov, Evgeny Sladkowski, Josh, uh, John Grant. How did I say Evgeny Sladkowski right, but I said John wrong? (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Luis Santos, Luke Bayless, Nick Hathaway, Philip John Basile, The Agile Ventures Charity, Sean, Stanley Tactical Radio, Stephen Armand Lee, Taras, Haruk, Travis, and Zach Grannon. Thank you to those folks who keep the show going. Thank you to everybody else who has contributed. And if you do, you will get an invite to our Slack team, which is great. And more connection to people through virtual means can't be bad right now. It's a good group of folks. People are helping each other out. So go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon to do that. Yeah. Also, this episode is sponsored by Vettery, which is an online marketplace for developers to find new jobs. We'll hear a little bit more about them later. All right. You want to read our first question? I do. This is from an anonymous listener. Due to coronavirus, we have had to work from home, but the manager is checking up on us very frequently. We have to give the day's plan at 10 a.m. sharp, otherwise he assumes that we are taking the day off. Also, we have to send an email listing the things we did at the end of the day. This is on top of using Jira. I feel he is micromanaging a lot, and because of this, the the team isn't able to work efficiently. P.S. Now he wants us to add our tasks to a Google Sheet. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing worse than a task tracker is two task trackers. (laughs) So you have to give the day's plan at 10 a.m. sharp. This cuts both ways, though, where if your manager doesn't give you the day's plan, then work is canceled that day. (laughs) So you get to hold them to 
nice. <laughs> some high expectations. I think this is also a chance to have whatever career you always wanted. You can dress for the job you want. Now, in this case, you can task track for the job that you want. Okay. So if you wanted to be an astronaut, just put like in the Google sheet, wait, zero G training in the yeah. pool, <laughs> spun around in that gyroscope thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's most of what astronauts do. Yeah. And practicing squeezing liquid food out of foil packets. <laughs> Took one of those cool pictures of me in my helmet and, and spacesuit. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, see what you can slip in there. <laughs> All right, so that's like a advanced job crafting. <laughs> it's like job narrative crafting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're you're basically telling a story. Oh, you could tell a story. You could say like worked on bug X and noticed a weird movement out of the corner of my eye and then like slowly <laughs> flesh that out over the weeks until you've built up this fictional world of mysterious shadowy creatures tracking your every move that, which oh. sounds a lot like this world <laughs> your, your boss could read those narratives steganographically embedded into your task updates and then over the course of weeks <laughs> finally realizes he's the villain <laughs> yeah you just have to make it a really obvious metaphor for how much you hate your boss for being such a <laughs> totalitarian micromanager oh man that's a great idea thank you what are your ideas dave I had I had my great ideas. Where, yeah. <laughs> tell me your great ideas. <laughs> As usual, you've set the bar impossibly high. I can only fail, <laughs> but I still go forth. <laughs> I would say that you should propose at your next team meeting that you should create a third tracking system for bathroom tracking. You know, every time you need to leave mm. your keyboard to go use the restroom, you need to put an entry in this Google spreadsheet. Yeah, that's productivity that your company needs back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, how, I don't mean to get crass, but how detailed is the information in this spreadsheet? <laughs> well, there. let's just say there will be one column for the date and time, but there will be another column for, that can only hold the number one or the number two. <laughs> okay. That'll give your manager the data he needs. Yes. It's also a meta narrative about <laughs> the things that you track are crap. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just so you know, I injured my ribs the other day, and now <laughs> every time you make me laugh, you also send <laughs> shooting pain <laughs> through my rib cage. Oh, Dave, the sacrifices you're making for this podcast. I know. I, I really appreciate them. <laughs> oh, man. So does, does your job suck? I think that's the main question I have from this, because <laughs> yeah. when, when oh. I've had sucky jobs... That's when I have wanted to do my work the least and wanted to just goof off. And that's when micromanaging of someone saying like, hey, stop goofing off and do your work would have made the most difference to my productivity. But I don't have sucky jobs anymore. I haven't for a while. And like every job has things that suck and things that don't. But in general, I am motivated to do work. And the people I work with are motivated to do work. And this assumption of like, if I'm not actively staring at you doing work, you're not working is mm -hmm. weird. I have seen this exacerbated by remote. There's just something about remote where like, it's not like they can see you do work all the time when you're in an office, but they just assume they can. Yeah. And losing that safety net makes people clamp down really hard. But, but yeah. I don't know. I question the need for that, I guess. I can understand where the boss is coming from because 
I think every company, I think many companies right now are facing this concept of working from home for the first time. And I think honestly, they're terrified mm. that productivity is just going to drop off a cliff, you know? Yeah. I mean, it might because everybody has to homeschool their kids and there's right. a global <laughs> pandemic and like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why productivity might drop off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of this tracking is probably pretty harmless, but it's kind of flirting with danger because I think that what I would be on the lookout for is if your boss starts using the sort feature on this spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Who put the most rows in today? Yes. And the uh, new lines of code written per day. Exactly. And then you should, that's, that's warning sign number one is the sort feature. And then number two is like, if they start drawing thick black lines, horizontal black lines, about halfway down the sheet or maybe three quarters of the way down the sheet. <laughs> Everything below the line is highlighted in red. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you really need to be worried. <laughs> that would be a new, I feel like companies are always competing for new gross ways to lay people off <laughs> and highlighting someone's name in a spreadsheet in red would be like a new, I haven't seen that. It'd be a new entry yeah. in the field of gross ways to lay people off. You just get an email that says, Go check this spreadsheet link. You'll know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we recently learned about, did you hear about the, was it Bird? It was one of the scooter companies that called a meeting that mm -hmm. a few hundred people were invited to. It was a Zoom meeting. It was two minutes long. Everyone's camera was turned off. Everyone's microphone was turned off. And it was just someone saying, hey, you're all laid off. And then oh the meeting ended. Oh my gosh. S so you got to beat that. And it was like, the only people invited were the layoffees. Yep. Oh boy. So this way, you, you at least have some warning as you see the spreadsheet get like sorted around. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the color starts as like a yellow and then it gradually darkens. <laughs> exactly. But remember, I mean, this is a great time to invoke Goodhart's law. It is Goodhart, right? Who said anytime a metric becomes a target, it ceases to be a metric. So yeah, if you know that your company is using this kind of sheet to track your your productivity for the purposes of sorting you into layoff and not layoff categories, then you just got to do what you got to do to get that metric to be right. Bump those numbers up. Mm -hmm. Wait, do you really think this is because this isn't like just they don't trust people are working from home. It's that they're, they're trying to like make cuts at the same time. Well, like I said earlier, I think just tracking productivity is probably a harmless motivation, but I think that it's now one step closer to nefarious purposes. I don't think it's, harmless i don't think this implementation is harmless i mean everyone has i would i would say every manager has some rough idea in their head of like how much stuff people get done on their team but this is very focused on tracking the inputs the butts in seats not the outputs mm. and that's the thing you should be tracking it's like what what value are we getting not like how many bathroom breaks did you take or mm -hmm. did you go play frisbee for an hour during lunch which is like I don't know. You should be able to do that. Well, not right now. Don't go play Frisbee with strangers right now. But like, <laughs> I don't know, this this rigid linking between the individual actions you're reporting and like there's this there's this judgment of like, if you're telling me you're doing lots of stuff, you're doing lots of stuff. And you if you are not telling me, then you're not. Yeah. But that's not, I don't know, the, the company shouldn't care about how many entries there are on this sheet. They should care about what you're getting done, which is kind of what's in JIRA, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Although the 10 a.m. thing is also kind of interesting because it's like, look, you have to check in by 10 a.m. or I'm assuming you're using one of your vacation days. 
you know, that's that's pretty painful. But I mean, frankly, it is the company is within their rights to do this. I don't really have an ethical problem with it, but I don't think it's in the company's best interest to track the movements of their engineers so closely. Yeah, it's it's sending a gross signal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the kind of good signals I'm seeing coming from companies right now are the flexible arrangements that they're making to say, look, we understand you're juggling more parenting potentially. Uh, you're, you know, you're you're having to respond to like, oh, I just heard that the grocery store has an item that I need, so I got to go run and get it. Um, you know, all these kind of things that encroach on your regular kind of nine to five schedule. And so the companies I'm seeing, I'm very impressed with them saying, look, we understand that you need four hours in the morning to swap with your spouse to be able to care for your child or something like that, you know? And it's like, you can do your work at a different time of day. And I I think that's great. This company seems to be sending a signal that says we're going to be even more regimented than we were before this whole thing happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's gross. I saw this tweet going around saying that basically we will learn things about work from this mass work from home movement. And one of the things we'll learn is that most people don't have much work to do in the day. (laughs) And um, interesting. So, so there might be this conflict between like, we have to stay busy, but there's not real work to do. I don't know. I've, I've never felt like that was the case for my job though. (laughs) Maybe I just don't recognize the work I'm doing as busy work, but I feel like I always have way more to do than there's time to do. And I can Mm -hmm. like crank through many, many hours and not get, all my stuff done. Yeah, I feel that way too. I yeah, I I guess hit me up if you have a job that you can cut down to two hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> I feel like though, don't you also feel like as you crank through your things to do in the in the day, when you take a good hard objective look at your productivity over the course of a, a long day, it just starts to fall off a cliff toward the end. Yeah, it does. I feel like I'm kind of like buying lottery tickets though. I think if you zoomed way out and looked at each individual thing I did, maybe that percentage of things would pan out to be actually really valuable. But I don't know that I always have that knowledge up ahead, up front. You know, like I'm going to work for eight hours today and maybe in six months, one of these hours will have resulted in value. But mm. I don't know which hour that is. So hmm. I'm just like buying, I'm buying more lottery tickets, covering more things. And again, you could say if you were better at your job, you would know. And then you could do eight of those hours instead of one of those hours. And I don't know. We've wandered a field of the question, though. Like, what do you do? Do you push back on your boss and say, hey, this is dumb and we can't get anything done? Oh, that's a hard track to take because if you say that, your boss is going to say, how long does it take to update the sheet? And you're going to be like, five minutes. And your boss will be like, get back to work. Yeah. And then they'll say, if you've got nothing to hide, why are you afraid? (laughs) Yes exactly you want some privacy you must have something to hide i think i think you need to demonstrate the psychological impact that this is having on the team you might even be able to cite that google study about psychological safety being the the main variable among teams that predicted productivity the best a psychologically safe team is a team that that doesn't need like micromanaging levels of follow-up didn't you work a job where you had to track your your time pretty rigorously you were like working your company was contracting for some other company or something like that yeah exactly we were government contractors and so we had to track our time technically the rule said we had to track our time down to six minute increments or one tenth of one hour i did that for for seven years can you talk about in some ways that's similar to this can you talk about how that affected you i mean how much time did it take and how it affected your concentration and you did it for seven years so i guess it couldn't have been that bad it was pretty bad. 
<laughs> but yeah, I would, I would, I would go nuts. I guess that's, <laughs> I would hate that. I feel like just the fact of like having this extra to do beyond all my other to dos, which is mm-hmm. write down all the things that you to did yeah. in six minute increments would <laughs> all, would, all the things it, I to did <laughs> smush me. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was hard, and we had to do it every day. You couldn't just wait till the end of the week and then kind of fill it out. You had to fill it out every single day. And if you didn't, you got uh, there was like escalating discipline associated with missing your time card deadline every day. Huh. Now, fortunately, I never saw it used for the purpose of like productivity tracking. It was strictly for billing. Yeah. And so it didn't have this element of your manager is reviewing your time card to see if you're spending your time on the right stuff. And many engineers, many actually just build the same contract for 40 hours every week. So most people didn't really have a lot to worry about. It's just, did I get my hours in for the day Mm. was the question. Not so much like, did I bill every little item correctly? Now, in my case, I worked, sometimes I worked on as many as four or five contracts per week. And so that was a little trickier to track all the time. But again, like I think management did a really good job of being trusting and hands off. And so never in seven years did my manager ever sit down and be like, well, Dave, you tracked five minutes here or six minutes here. And I need to know what that was, you know? Yeah. Maybe a, a less aggressive way to go about this is ask your manager what they're hoping to accomplish by this. Yeah. I think, did you say lay out the costs of it? Yeah, I was going to say, it, try to describe the impact it's having on the team, which is hard to yeah. quantify, but you could certainly qualitatively describe that. Yeah, I mean, and then if you understand what their underlying reasons are, maybe there's a less gross way to yeah. meet those needs. Maybe someone is pushing them to do this. Maybe it isn't yeah. even their idea. That's, that's maybe, what I was thinking. My guess is you're, you've got someone at a higher level in the company saying, I am concerned about productivity dropping. Managers, you need to do whatever you can to track it and then show me artifacts that demonstrate that productivity is not dropping. Yeah, I think dig into that a little bit. And if that doesn't work, just put like eight hours of coming for your job. <laughs> <laughs> Reading management books. Eight hours of going over my manager's head. <laughs> Yeah. Eight hours of one-on-one time with your boss. Coffee with the CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. It does sound like a creepy, frustrating situation to be in. Unfortunately, it might be one of those situations where you just have to buckle down and just do it. Who knows? All right. If you've been a software developer at the same job for a few years, it might be time to start looking around. Quit your job is our favorite advice, but first you should probably find a new job. Trust me, it is better this way. (laughs) Check out a service called Vettery, which matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me an opportunity that looked really good. My current approach to job seeking is tweet dumb stuff and hope the company notices me, so this sounds like an improvement, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Once you sign up, you get a consultant to help you find opportunities. I also like that Vettery lets you specify your salary requirements early rather than going through the whole interview process only to find out, wah, wah, your salary expectations were way off. That actually happened to me in an interview. Would have been nice to avoid that. You can start using Vettery without reversing a linked list on a whiteboard too. They don't have a coding test to sign up. If you are thinking about taking our advice, the soft skills engineering patented advice and quitting your job, check out Vettery. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y dot com slash soft skills. If you use that link, you will help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, they will send you $300. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. Dave, do you want to read our next question? Sure. 
This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, Dave and Jameson. First of all, thank you for putting on the show every week. It is definitely my favorite podcast by a wide margin every Monday. I just keep hitting refresh, waiting to get my weekly fix. <laughs> this is great. Uh, makes me feel bad for those days where we delayed by several hours on accident. <laughs> okay. They go on to say, I started my job about 10 months ago in a late-stage startup. In my last annual review, I was recognized for all my hard work, and I made it into a, quote, tech lead. I am not sure what this means. There is no tech lead title in the company wiki. Everyone's title is just software engineer with a level. The salary adjustment definitely suggests this is not a promotion. And the all-important company wiki says I need to wait to get promoted anyway. What is your advice? What should I start doing now? And what does it mean for my career? Hmm. I want to have some meta commentary, which is I go back and forth all the time between including some people include compliments in their questions. Some people don't. It's not a requirement. And sometimes I edit them out because I feel weird reading compliments that other people said about us. But yeah. <laughs> we just need it. We need we need the pick me up right now. So it's true. I left it in. We We got that boost. Nice. Okay, good. So... Maybe we should have just read the compliment and left the question out. It would be a little easier. <laughs> yeah, then we wouldn't have to do anything besides read. Although I struggle to read, as you know, if you listen to this show. Sometimes I say words bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't we all? All right. Okay, so you've got this title tech lead by your name, but no idea what this means. All I can say is welcome to the club. I think no, <laughs> I think most companies don't know what the words tech lead mean. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no agreement across any title at any level like junior mid-level senior staff mm -hmm. principal double staff okay <laughs> both bo staff <laughs> engineering manager it's all it's all very contextual and i've seen in the the good version of this is like it's different somewhere else but they've written down what they expect and the bad version is like i kind of know it when i see it right and then everyone's definition is a little different I think the best thing you can do here is ask for explicit expectations of what this role means. So someone told you, congratulations, you are now a tech lead. Ask that person, hey, what do you expect of me as a tech lead? Yeah, We're going to talk about some, I assume we are, maybe we aren't, I don't know. We're going to talk about some like things we believe to be true about tech leads, but the local expectations should always trump advice from randos on the <laughs> internet because... <laughs> Yeah, that they affect true. your life a lot more. Quite true. So ask for an explicit definition and expectation. If if they say, oh, we don't really have one, I think it's worth pushing for it and say, it, it's going to be hard for me to be successful if I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know. And so after you have that conversation and they inevitably say, I don't really have that. We don't have that written down anywhere. And then when they say, maybe you should write it, <laughs> then what do you do? <laughs> Ah, spoken like a true manager, Dave. <laughs> then it's similar to the last question where you get to just make up whatever job you want. The <laughs> tech lead cracking. role is in training for a half marathon. And that's just <laughs> what I devote my time to is bumping up my miles. Yeah. <laughs> but to be a little bit frank, it's quite possible this person's going to come back and give you their own opinion, which might at the end of the day not really matter. You know, it might not even, yeah. might not be accurate. It might not be wi widely shared. And so another thing you can do here is you can find out other people who have the word tech lead next to their name on the company rosters and go talk to them about what they do and try to figure out the common denominator between these people that's different from the people who don't have the word tech lead by their name. 
And that might be the definition of the role. Hmm. It's kind of like observing the role in the wild. Exactly. In its natural habitat. Yeah. Observing the role as it goes to the watering hole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I have I have some opinions about what tech lead is, but again, these are my opinions related to people I work with, not like global truths about tech lead everywhere. Yeah. The way I define it is it's someone who is responsible for the how and not the what. So they're kind of in charge of the overall technical delivery stuff. So they might do some like architecture consulting on projects other people on the team are working on. They might delegate that to other people, but they are responsible for making sure that in the end, the architecture has been thought about, even if they're not the ones thinking about it. Same kind of thing with like mentoring more junior people. They're, they're kind of looking out for making sure people are growing technically, whether that's them teaching and mentoring directly or making sure it happens. They aren't responsible for picking like long-term product direction, certainly aren't responsible for like salary, hiring, firing, performance reviews, that kind of stuff. It's, it's just focused yeah. on like, what are the technical outputs we're producing? How can we do that better as a team? I think that's I think that's one aspect of the tech lead title that's pretty well shared across many companies is that you're not a people manager. Although some people managers act as tech leads, tech leads don't necessarily act as people managers. Yeah, it does get into like the architect role a little bit, which some places have as a separate role. Mm -hmm. And then if that's if you have like an architect and a tech lead on your team, then I'm I'm baffled. I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> then true. I ask for expectations cuz right. I'm confused. You mentioned that, we both mentioned that it probably does not include people management duties. And that made me realize one of the important questions to ask when you're, when you're trying to define this role is, what's not part of this role? And that might be just as important as what is part of the role in the eyes of everyone else at the company. And you might want to get a list of things like that. Like, you know, are tech leads in charge of backlog grooming? Are tech leads in charge of certain, like what level of ambiguity no longer becomes their problem to solve? Right. Or what's the scope? Yeah. Like, am I responsible for my team, but not my neighbors, neighboring teams? Or am I also responsible for providing something to them? Like, what, what is that? Where's the fence? You know, like, where, where's the fence where yeah. I shouldn't be crossing or at least not expected to cross as part of this role? Yeah, that's a good call out. I have seen project management stuff get lumped in with tech lead stuff in a yeah, lot of places. Like scheduling and allocation of resources. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like long term, I don't know timelines lining up and stuff like that. I mean, some feedback and estimates are part of the role for most engineers, but like someone giving you a deadline and then saying like, work with this other team to make sure your stuff lines up with them. And that's that might be a tech lead in some places and not in other places. Well, so we've said, I don't know. <laughs> we've said some broad <laughs> stuff. I, I like your advice about finding, what out, finding out what it's not. What else can we tell this question asker? I would say, even though we kind of joked about your manager might tell you to write down the, the role description, I would say as a newly minted tech lead, you're in a great position to document this. The old, you know, more senior tech leads who have been doing this for a long time, they might have forgotten what it, what the transition felt like, and they might have just, they don't have maybe as bright of a line in their mind between individual individual contributor and tech lead. So I would suggest that if I were in your shoes, I probably would create a small committee of other tech leads and managers and, and other people who have an opinion on the subject and start an effort to write down what the role actually is. And if you will participate in that writing process, I think not only will you benefit future generations of tech leads, but 
you will get to craft the job to be what you want. Because like Jameson and I have talked mm. about this before, but when you're the one writing, you get to anchor the conversation. Yeah, I like that. It's not in the company wiki yet, but you can add it to the company wiki and then other people will read it and say like, it's in the wiki, so this is how it is. Yeah. Little did they know that that wiki was written by people. That's right. <laughs> who had to figure out what to write. <laughs> That's probably the longer I live and the more professional experience I have under my belt, the more apparent it becomes to me that the people who wrote the policies and role definitions and literally everything that you can find written down, they aren't like orders of magnitude more intelligent or more inspired than you. They just were willing to sit down and do the work of collecting the information and writing it down and, and achieving the consensus. Yeah. And then their name lives on forever in the edit history. In the Yes. <laughs> That's glory. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing else. That's all the tech lead wisdom I have. Me neither. But I will say there is so much value in writing this stuff down. My company has extremely well-defined role guidelines for every role. And, and for us, tech lead actually is a level. It is not like a separate meta attribute that you tag on to other. Yeah, it's not like a hat you wear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's been great to be able to consult this guide and say, okay, what do I, if I want to be a tech lead, what do I need to do? Oh, here it is right here. And it's, it compares what it's like to be at the previous level and what it's like to be at the following level. It's great. But at my previous company, we took the role of tech lead a lot less seriously and we just rotated it and said, look, everyone needs to feel the burden of leadership for this team. And so almost everyone on the team will have a chance to be the tech lead over some period of time. And it usually lasted three to six months. I kind of liked that because it helped everyone on the team be a better team member by having had mm. to wear the burden of the crown, you know, for that period of time, which is, which is heavy. Yeah. But I also hated it because it kind of cheapened the role. And I think because A, there was no compensation increase associated with being a tech lead and B, we gave it to interns sometimes. So it's like anyone, anyone yeah, can do this. talking about this. You know, anyone can do it. And so therefore it's not special. And people didn't really yeah. dedicate time to becoming excellent at that thing, you know? So trade-offs. I think the last thing you got to think about is what you're going to do with your newfound power. Like how, yes. how are you going to use this to get your pet weird esoteric language into production <laughs> yes how are you going to bypass code reviews on your own changes <laughs> yeah just yep. kind of really go wild with it are you going to justify editing code on the production servers live yeah well i'm the Committing tech lead directly to master yeah <laughs> i'm the tech lead yeah what else do you want to know i mean this is a blank check <laughs> maybe oh, Maybe you should try and be the tech lead if you would like these phenomenal powers. <laughs> All right. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. It's a great new role. With every kind of leadership increase comes this increased level of ambiguity. And learning how to be comfortable in that ambiguity is a big part of being successful. Ooh, I like that. That's a good point. All right. Good luck. I'm sure you will do great. You've shown great judgment by asking a question and listening yes. to this show and giving us nice compliments. <laughs> People who do those things generally are, are very successful in life. Yes, so. clearly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what can people do if they want to be like this question asker and be successful in life? <laughs> well, you could be the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast tech lead if you like. Just give us a, a good question and we'll <laughs> appoint you the tech lead for the week. 
But you can also share the show. You can leave a rating if you'd like, but um, getting more folks to listen is always great. We really appreciate it when people do that. You can share it on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at SoftSkillsENG. Um, and again, join us on Patreon. Go to SoftSkills.audio. Click support us on Patreon. And any dollar amount will get you access to our Slack community. Thank you so much. One of the cool things the Slack community did this week is they're starting to set up little social hours where people can actually get together on Zoom calls and chat with each other, which I think is a really cool contribution to the community right now because people could really benefit from some one-on-one chatting time or group discussions. Semi-in-person. Lonely out there. Yeah, it is. And it's been great. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.